And I see Estonia as, a, I think, could be like the, the playground or the proof of concept of the new model of healthcare, because the current model of healthcare is broken. It's not sustainable. So it has to be renewed. And I think Estonia could be the example. And what keeps me up at nights is really like how to make this happen, how to make Estonia the first country that is completely genetically profiled. Welcome to the Illumina Genomics Podcast, where leading scientists discuss their genomics research and how genomics is shaping their understanding of science and nature. Here's your host, Paul Broman. Hi, thanks for joining me for episode 34 of the Genomics Podcast. I want to really welcome you if this is your first time listening to our podcast. If you like today's show, I hope you come back and listen to more. Today's show is about precision medicine, and precision medicine is really a concept that an individual's optimal treatment or healthcare can be selected based on the results of specific diagnostic tests. Now, the concept has been around for a long time, and clinicians will today tell you that they practice precision medicine. But in 2015, the U.S. government launched an ambitious precision medicine initiative. This is a large-scale effort that's aimed at expanding precision healthcare in the short-term cancer, but long-term toward all other major diseases. And as one part of this initiative, recently the All of Us program was initiated in the United States. And All of Us is a program that will collect genetic data, biological samples, as well as health information from about 1 million volunteers across the United States. This kind of large collection of data and biological samples is referred to as a biobank. And in addition to All of Us right here in the U.S., there are actually a number of population-based national biobanks that have been created in countries like the UK, Canada, Estonia, South Korea, France, and too many others to mention. But in this episode of the Genomics Podcast, we're going to discuss the Estonian Biobank with Dr. Tanu Esko. Tanu is Deputy Director of Research at the Estonian Biobank of the University of Tartu, and he's going to talk about how Estonia aims to create a national system to enable precision healthcare through genomic profiling. Tanu, thanks for joining us on the Illumina Genomics Podcast today. It's a pleasure to, to welcome you to Illumina. Yeah, thank you for inviting me for this uh, interesting discussion. You're welcome. Let's get right into it. Could you describe for some of our listeners who might not be too familiar with the idea of a biobank? What is a biobank and what are you trying to accomplish with a biobank? So basically a biobank, biobank could be like a collection of uh, biological samples. And very often a biobank is, you know, people think it next to the hospitals, where they're storing the tissue samples or blood samples. But mostly the modern biobank, what it means that there are like some biological samples, but then a lot of health data next to the biological samples and everything is interconnectable. And in case of Estonian biobank, we have DNA, plasma and white blood cells for 50,000. But then we also have questionnaire-based health data and uh, electronic uh, health records data. And this is, creates this kind of uh, epidemiological slash uh, clinical collection of data, which is then can be used for with many purposes, either you know, scientific or you know, healthcare oriented, technology advancement, so all kinds of things. Uh -huh. 
So I'd like to talk a little bit about Estonia, the country and the environment in which the biobank is operating. The first thing I'd like to talk about is the word digitalization and what that means for your biobank. So I read that Wired magazine recently referred to Estonia as, quote, the most advanced digital society in the world. Forbes magazine recently called it the digital leader of Europe, and the New Yorker recently labeled Estonia the digital republic. So how are you leveraging this digital infrastructure that is unique to Estonia in the Estonian biobank? I would say that the digitalization and the digital capacities of the government or, or national framework is actually the core of the, the biobank's success. But I think that it's all driven by the fact that there is only 1.2 million of us. So there is only so many tasks that every citizen can do. So we have to automate, we have to digitalize to make the system even affordable, not efficient, but just that it works. Mm -hmm. So it has to be automated. And you know, you ask like how we are leveraging on this uh, digitalization. It's it's basically this is the the core how we keep the biobank or the data collection up to date. Basically, we annually or so can go to the you know, the holders of the databases, like the Minister of Social Affairs or some hospitals. We submit the ideas and then we just get all the data back electronic. So every year we kind of, uh, I don't know, double, maybe double is like too much, but we add a lot of new information. And again, like it's effortless. It takes really us interesting. less than a month to just get uh, new data for the 50,000 from basically all the health databases uh, that are run by the government. So accessing all that data was less than a month. Yes, wow. like sending the submitting the the ID codes in a encrypted encrypted form and getting the data back in encrypted form probably takes less than a month. And then it's like integrated into the database and opening up for for research. That's interesting. One of the things I'd like to drill down on a little bit more is that you mentioned stakeholders, and I imagine having that infrastructure in place is the result of a lot of stakeholders being active in this space. So in addition to digitalization, are there other services and other unique infrastructure to Estonia that also help you in the Estonian biobank? And then related to that, how closely does the biobank collaborate with all of these diverse stakeholders, thinking the government, uh, healthcare providers, academic community, even the private sector? I think the most of the success or the advance of the biobank is driven by the digitalization because this helps to you know, enrich the data because mm -hmm. your database is as good as updated it is. And I think this is something many of the other data collections fail. They don't update their data. But I think you know, some other infrastructure things that help us is actually the, the smallness of the country and the smallness of the, of the society. This means we only have one medical school. So basically <laughs> all the medical doctors are educated exactly the same way. So if you have to do some, some additional education on some advanced ideas, it's very simple because everyone, every five years, they have to take these courses to keep their uh, accreditation up to date. Mm -hmm. So this is the thing. Another thing is like, you, you know, there's only two regional hospitals that cover full of Estonia. Basically, if you want to implement some innovation, you usually have to have like, I don't know, five physicians around the table the specialists of the field, and they, if they agree, you can implement it That's the next all it day. takes. Yeah. And also with the access to the other stakeholders like government, you know, there aren't many layers. I don't have the, the phone number for the president, but uh, 
what the directors of the of the institute have. Really. And then I think most of the strongest supporter is the is the citizen because citizen wants constant innovation. Right. So there's this broad trend globally. You hinted on that of personalized medicine, personalized healthcare. And what I mean by that is the use of genetic and genomic information to help to risk stratify patients and determine the optimal treatment for them, or in some cases, prophylactic treatment. And I know it's not simply genetic and genomic information that goes into personalized medicine, but I think a lot of people associate genetic and genomic information with that. So how is the Estonian Biobank participating in this revolution toward personalized medicine and personalized healthcare. And I think, as you said very nicely, like the kind of the core or the, the leading definition of, let's say, personalized healthcare is genomics, but actually it's just actually also all the data. And it's what happens in the, or it's what's the situation in current healthcare is that usually the historical data is not used. It's not systematically used to understand where the patient is on the, on the health trajectory, how far is the disease? Is there any predictive signs? But you know, but I think the revolution has come. The field is really integration of the genetic information, right? And I think there are like many, many ways how the genetics can be used, and it's used. I would say like for precision diagnostics or precision medicine, it's usually focused on on rare diseases or in cancer, and in rare diseases. What's the cause of the disease is usually one or two mutations in the patient's uh, DNA. Usually it's not even present in the parent's genome, but it just happens. It's just, uh, you know, just bad luck, so right. to say. And, and in order to diagnose it, you need to do either full exome sequencing or full genome sequencing, and there's no way other way. And that's right. why it's precision, because you go drill into the genome and understand the cause of the disease. And similarly, it's actually for cancers, because it's usually also a number of mutations that determine you know, the nature of the cancer or the tumor. And in order to get the right drug, you need to know the molecular signature of this cancer. Again, this comes to this precision. So now your question, how Estonian Biobank positions itself on this uh, space of, of using genomics in the healthcare, we are not that much focusing on the the rare disease or cancer. Rare disease is already covered by the health insurance. So there is 150 families per year get this paid by the health insurance. Oh, and this is basically every, like the annual prevalence of this type of disease. So it's solved. Right. And cancer is, you know, just being frank, you just don't have enough money to pay <laughs> for the expensive drugs. So why, why to bother ourselves <laughs> with diagnosing it if we cannot act on this? So we are very much uh, positioned ourselves on the pharmacogenomics and actually this using those cumulative risk scores on preventive healthcare because from the healthcare point of view, not the patient's point of view, right. healthcare point of view, those are the big factors because we are counting the numbers how expensive it is to treat cancer, but no, we are ignoring like heart disease, diabetes, For sure. rheumatoid arthritis, you know, all those things that actually are also extremely expensive. And I think Estonia, we are kind of trying to be maybe not, you know, the, you know, the tip of the spear, but at least surfing the wave, the first wave of uh, personalized healthcare. But it is sometimes a struggle because the smallness of us, while it makes us very 
flexible, but also we don't have all this muscle power to mm. push through the obstacles. I'd like to follow up on the smallness of Estonia for a moment, just because uh, I recently did a podcast interview with some scientists in Finland, your neighbor across the, the Gulf of Finland, and we talked about a project called Sisu, and that was a project where investigators were mining alleles from the Finnish population to try to understand the link between certain rare diseases that are overrepresented in the Finnish population, so-called Finnish disease heritage. And the reason that works in Sisu is because Finland is a, Europe's largest genetic isolate. Mm -hmm. So can you talk a little bit about the genetics of your population and how that plays a role in your biobank? In a nutshell, basically we all came, you know, the Finns and the Estonians and other Finno-Greek nations came from the Ural Mountains between five to eight to 5,000 years ago. And then, you know, when we arrived to the Gulf of Finland, you know, the, the ancestors of Finns went up and the ancestors of Estonians went to the south. And basically the Finns have there been there since then alone. Kind of no one visiting right. them, just, you know, that's why they are It's still know, like that isolates. in a certain way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Estonia, it's actually, it's a very geopolitically extremely valuable piece of land because it was a gateway uh -huh. from Europe to Russia. Because where is St. Petersburg today, it used to be a massive swampland. So basically the port of Tallinn was the last big port where the ships could load off their oh, is that right? stuff. And that's why if you go to Tallinn, it's extremely rich uh, for the size of this tiny, tiny country for historical reasons. And this also had effect in the genetics because you know, we, we are actually, we're the serfs for the landlords for the past 800 years. So we're the slaves, the modern slaves for the past 800 years, which means that the land was owned by the, either the Germans, Swedes, Poles, Russians, but the farmers were always Estonians. But this also meant that there wasn't a lot of movement around within Estonia. So we have like this local historical communities, but at the same time, there is no real isolation, there is some gene inflow or new genes introduced throughout the wars because there was a major war every century. Oh, wow. So it was like kept the blood <laughs> fresh, so to say. <laughs> uh, and this poses this kind of very interesting uh, population where we have kind of are very homogeneous, but we are not isolated. And from the population sequencing, so we have done 3,000 Estonian deep genomes. Wow. And by studying those, first thing was like Estonian genomes have twice as many variation than the Finnish genomes. Interesting. Because we are not isolated, right. we are, but we are homogeneous. That's very interesting, actually. And I'd like to come back and talk a little bit about the individual, because I know the individual is going to be really key to this, this effort. So typically, to participate in a biobank, for an individual to provide their genetic or biological sample, they need to read and then sign a, a consent form. And there are different consent forms out there. Some are quite long, some are simplified. But I understand that the Estonian Biobank uses something called a dynamic consent form. So could you describe what a dynamic consent form is and how that compares to what's traditionally done in biobanks? Uh, yeah, we actually don't yet have this uh, dynamic form, but what we have, and it's also quite unique, it's what it's called a broad informed consent. You know, someone just printed out like informed consent that you have to write, sign for 23andMe, it's a 
direct-to-consumer genetic testing company or, or Facebook. It's like, if <laughs> it's like, you know, 23 meters long. <laughs> but our consent, that is, everything is uh, based on it, actually just fits two pages. So it's very simple. It has like 10 core terms, and it basically protects the participants against any discrimination by, their, by your employer or insurance or for law enforcement. It uh, allows us to do basically any research that is related to health. It allows us to link to the databases, but it also allows us to go back to the participants, invite them to interesting research based on their genetic profile or phenotypic profile. And I think what is almost completely unique is actually the participant has the right, has the right to get genetic counseling really? or to know their, they can know about all the data that we are keeping about them. But they basically, the consensus and the law says that the participant has the right to get counseled about their genetic risks. Wow. And I think this is the core that is, uh, you know, engaging the participant. And this is also the, the core difference, I would say, even the core innovation. Very simple thing, but almost nowhere else this thing happens. I think that's really interesting. And so for the for the individuals that are participating, I know different countries have different laws regarding biobanks and ownership of the samples and the genetic material and the intellectual property that comes out of that. So in the Estonian biobank, my understanding is the government owns the, the right to those samples. Is that, that true? Yeah, it's, uh, the government owns the biobank, but it's actually actively maintained and run by the university. I see. So it's, uh, but it's not part of any faculty, but it's an independent research institution under the umbrella of University of Tartu. And, and this is also like one point in the consent that says that uh, the data you know, is still owned by the uh, citizen. And this is also the new Data Regulation Act uh, from the EU. But the university and the biobank has to has the kind of the license or right to use it for academic research, but also for public-private partnerships. And all the IP generated from this data is actually can be owned by the third party, either academic party or, or the private partner. How do you see the role of the patient evolving on how healthcare policies are made? We've talked about patient consent, we've talked about ownership of the data, but and you've talked about 23andMe. So as these data sets are out there in the public more and more, how do you see the role of the patient in deciding on, not just individually, how is this data used in my case, but deciding on public policy when it comes to how this is, information is used in the, in the public space? I'd say like in Estonia, we're, and the citizen is quite uh, open and quite liberal because they trust the system. Because you couldn't have electronic voting if you don't trust the system. And I think it's the same in, in the data. So the, the citizen wants the, the data to be used to deliver better care. And actually, this is also the core motivation for the, our participants. Why they're joining this effort is actually they want to get something back. They want to get better healthcare. They constantly ask us why or my family doctor already cannot see the data, really? like why, why the genetics is not already used when a drug is prescribed, you know, why, why they are not acting on my future risks, providing me some preventive 
measures, I don't know, some medications, some guidelines for health style. So the, the citizen actively wants it. And now you, how this affects the, the policy, you know, if the citizen wants something so dearly, it actually forces the government and the politicians to design the policies towards that they would serve the citizen because a happy citizen gives you a lot of votes. <laughs> and that's quite funny. Whoever is in the power in Estonia, either like the liberals or the, the left or, you know, social, doesn't matter. Everybody is super supportive for the biobank because it's a, such a positive message and it's something for the future. It's something that you can, you know, it has this... Uh, the social side of it, it has this, you know, liberal side of it, it has this business side of it. Everything is represented, it's only which card you play for. This is how the, I think, the engagement and the project is driving also the policy, because it's the, the citizens' uh, need who is driving uh, the policy. Interesting. My last question for you is, it's always my favorite question, and I'd like to know, what excites you about the future of this biobank, the Estonian biobank, what do you think is going to be the impact on society, and not just in Estonia, but more broadly on this global push towards precision medicine or personalized medicine? You know, I see Estonia as, a, I think, could be like the, the playground or the proof of concept of the new model of healthcare, because the current model of healthcare is broken. It's not sustainable. So it has to be renewed. And I think Estonia could be example and what keeps me up at nights is really like how to make this happen, how to make Estonia the first country that is completely genetically profiled. We get all the genetics information or the big data into the healthcare. The data is used actively and proactively on, on keeping the citizens healthier. We could identify all the people walking around, bomb in that in the pocket with you know this high impact mutation like for breast cancer or or sudden death, because we know it's there. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of criminal not to act on that. And, and I think this is really where we should, as a society, try forward is we, we know those people that are in high risk and, and we don't do anything. And I think, you know, really how to, how to make this happen, how to make this turn into the, the future model of healthcare, but also how to open up this data for, for massive innovation, disruptive innovation in healthcare, but in also developing new drugs and or services. So this is the, the core that drives me forward. It's not anymore, oh, I want to solve, I don't know, a cancer or understand the role of the mutation or something. But I think it's really, you know, creating something for the future generations. And if I have created that, then I can retire and go back to be a blacksmith. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, it's still, there is still some steps to do. That's wonderful. I, I really appreciate you sitting down and talking with us on the Illumina Genomics podcast. And I think it's a really hopeful message that a country as small as Estonia has so much to teach a country the size of the United States and the European Union. And I look forward to what the Estonian Biobank is going to deliver in the next few years. Thank you very much, Tony. Thank you. And, you know, we really like to be those uh, crazy visionaries and teach or show the way to the better future. So thank you for having me here. The Estonian Biobank currently contains genetic data on about 50,000 individuals, also called cohorts, and there are plans to genotype 100,000 more by the end of this year. Now, that may not seem like a large number of cohorts, but that number represents 15% of Estonia's adult population. 
The success of the Estonian Biobank is a result of a number of unique factors that include a highly digitalized infrastructure, a supportive climate for innovation, and strong citizen support for genomics-based healthcare initiatives. And although every country is different, I think that there's a lot to learn from the Estonian model of enabling precision healthcare through large-scale genomic profiling. Hey, if you like today's show, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Join me next time for a special 2018 compilation episode. We'll look back at the past year in genomics, and we'll look forward with predictions for the future here on the Illumina Genomics Podcast.